Welcome to the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast. My name is Sean, and joining me today is my co-host, Jake. Before we get to today's topic, we have a bit of a news update. Earlier today, July 13th, the new ATF director, Stephen Dettelbach, was confirmed by the Senate vote. The upside is not David Chipman. That's the upside. Well, I guess the downside would be the fact that this man has come out and purposely said that he doesn't even own a firearm. That is true. <laughs> Brilliant. I love the left's attempts to cripple the Second Amendment at every turn they get. This they is do. Uh, th- This is kind of an unprecedented situation here because I'd hoped that maybe at some point the Democrats would just give up and realize that their fight is futile and uh, put a Republican in there. Maybe someone who actually knew what a rifle was. But uh, th- th- this this Bach gentleman seems like he might be uh, an ill fit like the previous member. That he is. He has gone on record as stating that he does not actually know what a quote-unquote assault weapon is. However, he has stated that he will support a federal assault weapons ban on a type of firearm that he does not know what it is. So my question is, who's his daddy? Hunter Biden got his position simply out of nepotism. So how, who's, this, who's his daddy? Who got him into this position? Is this simply one of those, we are losing Jerry Brown, but we gained a Gavin Newsom? (laughs) So, Dettelbach's record has him actually as an attorney general in Ohio during the Obama administration. Uh, He served various governmental roles over the past about decade and a half, and He was a silent nominee for the position after Chipman was basically dropped to the side. So what's also interesting is that originally he did not have the full support of the Democrats in the Senate. There were actually those who honestly thought, and this is laughable, that he would not be strict enough. Whereas Republicans were afraid that he would be too strict because, again, he's a Democrat. I think I've gone on record saying this one. I have friends that are Democrats. I know. I know. Hold on. Hold (laughs) your pitchforks. Hold your pitchforks. Who are also proud firearm owners. And uh, it baffles me. The dedication that these people in office have to removing the Second Amendment. I mean, they, they're putting these, frankly, uneducated people in positions that require an education. That's like saying, hey, why don't I go get this guy over here who's greeting people at Walmart and get him to do my tile floors and repipe my drains? It's absolutely absurd the things that they're going to do to try to block us. It's, it just makes me sick to my stomach. After everything we've we've gone through here in this state and the ridiculous laws that we follow, and then we get this ATF director who doesn't know, well, diddly squat, 
about being an ATF director. It seems that the Democrats just keep putting people in positions that they know they can control. That basically sums it up. They don't want someone who is all for everyone owning whatever gun they want in the position of the ATF. They want someone who will go through and say, oh, sure, go and take guns from people because that's your end game. So today we'll be talking about the SCOTUS's ruling on New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, as well as the California rulings affected by the NYSRPA versus Bruin. We'll also be covering Miller v. Bonta, Duncan versus Bonta, Rupp versus Bonta. This Bonta guy is not a very liked person, it seems. Wonder no, why. He's not. All right, so Sean, I'm going to go ahead and turn to you for this one because you seem all really well versed and ready for this. Uh, I I didn't plan on getting into these for some time, but you know what? I, I think I think you're right. It is time to dig into these. So let's go ahead and start with the SCOTUS's ruling. Of course. For those who have not been following, the SCOTUS ruling against Bruin was in regards to a lawsuit in New York stating that you had to have a good cause in order to have a concealed carry license. Now, the problem was New York would basically say your good cause has to be what we consider to be a good cause, not what you consider to be a good cause. If you were to put down self-defense, they would say, okay, where are you that you see you have a legitimate immediate threat on your life? If you cannot show us this documentation, That does not count as a good cause. Now, all this came to a head on June 23rd, 2022, when the SCOTUS ruled in favor of the NYSRPA and stated that, yes, New York was wrong with their requiring of a good cause. Another caveat was they changed how they looked at a 2A case. They now state that for any 2A case and for any case dealing with the Constitution, it goes by the text and history. Due to this, every 2A case that SCOTUS was looking at has now been sent back to the district-level court to have it rejudged and retried using text and history. Well, should I do a hot take? Sure. All right. So, long story short, the courts have decided that the ruling was unjustified as it sat because of the way they looked at the law and deciphered it. Correct? That's correct. That brings a very interesting question. What happens to all this? I mean, all of the court cases we have that are lined up for the Supreme court, because all of California's cases are based on that backwards point of view. Now, some people may not understand this, but what that means is that when the Supreme court made that decision, all other cases following that ruling 
are now set back down the line to their subsequent circuses that I like to call them, be it the first, the second, the ninth, okay, where they get rejudged upon. They say, hey, you need to look at this the way we're telling you to look at this and re-rule on it. And then you're going to find that they're probably still going to lie and cheat and cause us to have to go back up to the Supreme Court again. So what this means for us is that nothing changes because nothing ever changes because this is a constant war on our freedom. The Democrats are going to put every stay in possible. They're going to put every roadblock they can in our way of getting this thing up to the Supreme Court again. And God knows when the Supreme Court's going to look at it. Look how long it took them just to hear this one. How long was that in the system before the Supreme Court actually listened to it? It was there for several years. So what's going to happen for us? Absolutely nothing. And it just baffles and confounds me how all these things have been brought forth. And, you know, I, 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 all I can see is that we have all these other all these other cases, Miller v. Bunta, the Duncan v. Bunta, and Rupp versus Bunta, all going up. These three are three major, three major cases. Miller being the assault weapons ban, Duncan being the high-capacity magazine ban, which, let's be honest here, was already deemed illegal and wrong within the Ninth Circuit. It got stayed, and then it got pushed around, and it got sent to be reevaluated by the Ninth Circuit before it ever even got in line at the Supreme Court. And now it got in line, and it's getting told to be turned around and go somewhere else again. It's like going to the damn DMV and you stand in one line for an hour and they tell you, hey, you're at the wrong window. Go to that window. Then you go stand in line for that window for an hour and they said, oh, no, we changed our system. You got to go over to this window now. It's just a circus and a joke trying to get our freedoms to be given back to us. Now, I know you guys are probably sitting there going, oh, my freedoms. You know, none of these cases affect me personally. The assault weapons ban does not affect me. I don't own anything that the state has considered an assault weapon, mostly because the state wouldn't know what an assault weapon actually is. <laughs> Duncan v. Bonta, you know, we got this high-capacity magazine ban. You know, you can argue all day what's a high-capacity, what isn't. Personally, I feel a drum mag is high-capacity. You can argue all day what's high-capacity, what's standard capacity. It's not going to make a difference. Because the Supreme Court isn't going to hear it for another 10 years. And then we got this, <laughs> this you know, there, there's one that we weren't really going to touch on this episode, but I'd like to bring it to people's minds that our lovely governor has taken his authority. I, I'm pretty sure at this point he's deemed himself the king of California. I'm sure he has. Because he's just come up with all these ridiculous back alley rules and one of which affects something very near and dear to my heart now i honestly couldn't care less about miller duncan or rupp okay the one that bothers me is the stupid roster california's roster of legal handguns for sale in california now not only do they tell you that you can't have certain guns for whatever stupid reason they have, we haven't decided, we haven't discovered what that is. 
I, I've bought guns that are off that list here in California. And, uh, you know, for the life of me, I can't figure out why they're off that list. For instance, my girlfriend, she owns a six hour P2022. It's a nine millimeter. It's a fantastic handgun. There's no safety on it. None. However, California said it's perfectly safe to sell. But my Walter PPK, which has a safety, is not safe to sell in California. How does that make any sense? Now, I know it seems like I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, and that's because this is something that I think uh, a lot of people should recognize, that the guns you're allowed to buy in the state of California are a mere trickle compared to what the rest of the, the United States gets to purchase. And it's very concerning to me because I'm a man who believes in freedom of choice for many things. Okay. I believe in the freedom to choose whether you want an electric car or a gasoline car, but King Gavin Newsom has taken that ability away. I believe you should be able to choose the handgun and rifle you would like to protect yourself with. But again, uh, King Newsom has taken that away by adding more clauses to that ridiculous roster one of which I I, I, I I can't recall the AB number of it, but it was one that says for every gun that's added to the roster, two previous guns have to be removed. Now, when it comes to that roster, if you're looking at a Walter P22, little 22, they come in a variety of fun colors. So they offer it in black and green and robin egg blue and probably orange, I'm not sure. Well, when it comes out with a new color, that is a new gun. That's a new serial number. So you can have three different P22s go on there. They're all the same gun. But that means nine handguns have to come off that list that were previously there because you added three that are just different colors. So what they're doing is trying to make it impossible for anyone in California to even buy a firearm at this point. You're going to have a choice between your color of 22 caliber handgun. And they even want to get rid of those. They want you to just buy a 22 caliber rifle. And that's all you should be able to defend yourself with. They're even starting to put regulations on shotguns. Which, if you listen to our brilliant president. Now, I normally don't talk bad about presidents while they're in office. But this one has said a whole new president. There's crabbing by the steering wheel Trump. And then there's sleepy Biden. Who just tells you to fire your shotgun twice in the air which no responsible gun owner would do. You, you, you forgot the part where it's shoot your doubled-barreled shotgun twice in the air. Right, because those are still made. <laughs> that's, that's what they want to regulate you to, is those antiques like we collect. Now, being the California Curio Collecting Patriots, I'm not sure. I, you know, we're on the second episode now. I, I think we can let you guys in on the secret. We collect old guns. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that might sound shocking that a podcast whose first episode was about how to get a O3FFL, which is specifically to collect old guns, is made by two people who collect old guns. That's a shock. I think that's because we're really old men deep down on the inside, buddy. Probably. Now... Miller v. Bonta, Duncan v. Bonta, Rupp v. Bonta, they're all going back down to the Ninth Circuit to be reevaluated with a new state of mind to judge it in, which, as you all know, the Democrats are going to ignore because that's what they do. They're going to go, 
no, we're not going to base it off history and tradition. We're going to base it off our feelings and our emotions because that's what matters. Yeah. Some little went into a school and did a shooting. Taking guns away from responsible individuals is not going to be the answer. You know, just the other day, I was reading on, it was Internet Explorer. You open it up, you know, and it gives you a bunch of baloney liberal news. It said, Americans can't be trusted with their own guns. Why? Because one person went and did a shooting? So all Americans have to just give up their guns? We have to get rid of the Second Amendment because one person went and did a shooting? That one person shouldn't have been allowed to buy a firearm. Had the police done their damn job, he wouldn't have been able to buy a firearm. The fact that the police went in and did nothing because the family refused to press charges against this kid, he was able to go out, buy a gun, and do a shooting. Now, it's very unfortunate. My heart goes out to the families of the victims. It's an extremely unfortunate situation, and it should never have happened. But you got to ask who's to blame. Are the parents to blame? For that kid who went and bought a gun and shot up a school? Yes. Are the police to blame for not red flagging this kid? Yes. It's, you know, you got to go through and, you know, who's to blame? If you ask Gavin Newsom, it's the manufacturer of that gun. They're the ones to blame. They sold it to a gun store and that gun store sold it to that kid. Now, how's the gun store supposed to know that's an aggravated human being? He went through the whole system legally in his state to do that. That tells me that state doesn't have the adequate laws in place to prevent lunatics like him from getting firearms. Now, these people talk all day about common sense gun control. Everything they've proposed has not been common sense. Everything they've, been, they've proposed has been absolutely ridiculous. Yes, I'm for stricter background checks. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Everyone should go through the same background check to buy a firearm that they go through to join the military. If you're going to purchase a firearm, your fingerprints should be on file. They should know your driver's license and your address. You should pass a safety course. Keep in mind, I know there's a lot of states out there that don't really want any of that. Well, too bad. You've proven you can't be responsible with them. Parents leave their guns out and these kids get a hold of them and shoot each other in TikTok videos. It, it just tells you right there and then that people who aren't going to follow the law, guess what? They're not going to follow the damn law. By making new laws and saying, oh, you guys have to do this. Guess what? The bad guys are going to go, okay. Yeah, we'll come and turn our guns in right now. Oh, guys, you heard we can't have more than 10 rounds. Let's go turn in our 30-round magazines we got. They're not going to give it. They're still going to be out there. You know why? Because the guns don't come from gun stores. They come from people's personal collections that are stolen and from across borders. They come on ships. They come on boats. They come in trucks. And they come across on foot. That doesn't mean close the borders. It means let the Border Patrol do their damn job. The Democrats seem to forget that they have a job to do. They like to just open borders and let everyone with a sob story come in. Those people with sob stories sometimes aren't telling the truth. They'll pretend to have a sob story, but in their truck is everything they could want to bring in here to make a small fortune. Cartels running drugs and guns across the border, and it's not just Mexico. They come from the north as well. 
They come from across rivers and boats. I saw a case not too long ago where a boat pulled into Ellis Island and it had, God, I can't remember. It had a ton of cocaine in it. (laughs) (laughs) And firearms, because if you're going to party, party hard. So this boat comes in and you know what they did? They seized the boat and the guns and they let the people come into the country because they couldn't prove they were on the boat when they caught them. It baffles me the way the, the left works on these topics. They put unqualified individuals, severely unqualified individuals in positions that they shouldn't be in. And then they make these rulings based on their feelings and their thoughts on topics. Well, we really know that nobody in office has had a single thought to themselves. It's all based on what their political affiliation wants. Because I'm starting to wonder when the Democrats are going to start rising up. The Democrat Party is no longer the Democrat Party. It's a socialist party. I'm just wondering when the, when the, the silent majority who's being bullied is going to start standing up. Because we saw during the pandemic what it looked like to have the small people stand up out in the streets. Those who felt they were wronged. They stood up in the streets. Those are the people who believed in being Democrats. What's going to happen when those who believe in the Second Amendment start standing up in the streets? I wonder how well that's going to go. Well, it'll be an interesting thing. That'll be sure. So, in reality... What, what's going to change for us? Nothing. But Sean, what if California was actually smart? What do you think they would do? So if California was actually smart, if Newsom and Bonta actually had a legitimately smart thought go through their minds, they would just go let the Honorable Judge St. Benitez go re-roll these cases, say... No, the assault weapon ban is unconstitutional in California. The uh, high cap magazine ban is unconstitutional in California. The assault weapon list is unconstitutional. And then accept those and move on. Because here's the thing. If that happens at the district court level, Benitez goes, rolls in favor of the the 2A, rolls in favor of Miller, in favor of Duncan, in favor of Rope. At that point, that's the law in the state of California, and only in the state of California. If they fight and it goes to the Ninth Circuit Court, and they again vote in favor of Miller and Duncan and Rupp, at that point, it is now the law in all the states that is covered by the Ninth Circuit. If they then go and fight that again, and it gets bucked all the way back up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court looks at it, and they determine, no, this was judged correctly at the district level. Thus, the finding of the district level in favor of Miller, in favor of Duncan, in favor of Rook, is constitutional. State of California loses. At that point, that now becomes the law in the United States of America. Not California, not the states covered by the Ninth Circuit, the entirety of the United States of America. So if they were smart, they would just let it pass and then hope that Biden's assault weapons ban at a federal level goes into effect and bank on that. 
No, they don't have a chance of winning any of these cases because the Supreme Court's already ruled that their view on making these laws was wrong, which means every single one of these in time will go away. But what's going to replace them is the problem. That is true. They are going to find whatever little tactics they can to institute their baloney logic into going, oh, but countless lives were saved because we did a, a background check on an ammo purchase. How many countless lives were saved? Can you tell me? No, because there's no t- statistics. There's none. They're just going to say it because it makes them sound like they're heroes. I will say this. I remember reading an article back, um, I want to say it was when Becerra was leaving from being the AG of California to whatever role Biden gave him. And he made the comments like, oh, yes, you know, my our ammo background check law stopped 50, I think it was like 53 or 58 criminals from buying ammo in the state of California. You know, oh, you know, let's pat ourselves on the back because of that we managed to get them off the streets. And okay, that's, you know, around 60 criminals off the streets. And that's good. I don't deny that. Now, I remember, Jake, you got banned from buying ammo because of that law. Was that? That is absolutely correct. correct. As a veteran of the United States military with an honorable discharge who already purchased several firearms. Legally in this state before I had an FFL, I went to buy a box of ammo and they said that I failed the background check. And I went, how so? And they couldn't tell me. And I said, okay, well, I'd like to try again. Here's another dollar. They said, no, no. Now you have to do the $33 background check that you would do for purchasing a firearm. And I went, well, why? Well, because you failed the first one. I said, okay, what happens if I failed the second one? He, he said, well, then you wouldn't be able to buy a firearm. Now, I went, okay, so I just can't purchase ammo? They said, no, you can't purchase ammo. So I said, okay, now you've pissed me off. So I walked over and I purchased a rifle right there and then. When I failed that background check, I said, I want to purchase this rifle. And I grabbed one off the shelf that I was considering buying. It was a $100 rifle. I grabbed this firearm. I said, I would like to buy that firearm. And you're going to add a box of ammo to that purchase. And wouldn't you know it? I was able to purchase that firearm. I passed that background check. Because I said, if you're going to make me pay 30 stupid dollars for a background check, because California's head so far up its it doesn't even know how to do a background check. Which, at the time... They had no idea. They implemented the law with no idea of how to do so. And I went, this is just ridiculous. Whatever they can do to stop you from being a rightful gun owner. It's not what criminal walks into a Turner's to buy ammo. You know, there's an app on people's phones. I got banned because I reported every single group in my area in a day. And they thought I was just a spammer, so they, they, they booted me. Turned out it was only a 30-day, you know, restriction, and I just never went back to the app. Well, this app was supposed to be an app for chatting and, and you know, getting to know people. And a lot of people use these app, use this app. I'm going to be nameless on it for 
uh, lawsuit reasons. Don't want to be sued by them. So this app, when you go in to search for local groups, I would put in my local area. And once you know it, guns, drugs, guns, drugs, guns, drugs, guns, drugs. There was probably nine different groups just for buying illegal firearms and ammunition in California. And I thought, that's just my local. I used my city name to find these groups. That's just local. So I thought, how hilarious would it be if I did Los Angeles? Oh, oh, my word. And then I did San Francisco just for fun. Just so I can see how great of a job Nancy Pelosi's doing in her area. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as uh, as my area. But <laughs> the fact <laughs> remained the same. Illegal firearm and ammunition sales on your phone. Using these third-party apps going, hey, I'll sell it through here. And I'll go meet up in an alleyway. And we'll, we'll exchange. You give me 30 bucks, I'll give you a Glock and a box of ammo. Now... Naturally, I didn't hunt down these groups and try to purchase any of this because I'm not a freaking criminal. Nor did I want to walk into a police sting if that happened to be the case. But I doubt that there are nine different groups in my city that are all police stings for this. Especially when you're dealing with an app. Anyone can make a group on there. It's not hard to do. But it just was unbelievable. I could not believe that these were op these were operational and there's no laws against it there's nothing whereas i have to go do background checks and do a stupid gun safety card every every 5 years well i don't anymore i have an ffl now but the fact of the matter remains i'd have to wait 10 days before i could pick it up cuz god knows if i was angry i could just pull up that app and go buy one instead i mean it's just insane and i challenge any of our listeners if you know the app that I'm referring to, type in your city and then put a G after it and see how many groups come up for guns. Now, that's just the way it is out here. And sadly, it hasn't gotten any better. Even with my FFL, I've had to walk into gun stores and teach these gun owners how to process my FFL because they don't see them. This is why we created this podcast was to get the information out there so more people can enjoy the freedom that we do. We literally enjoy freedom. It is like being in a convertible compared to a Mini Cooper. It really is. It's like going from a Mini Cooper to, say, a Chevy Blazer or a Ford Bronco, and you take that back top off, and you're open to the world. It is just breathtaking and amazing how easy it is when you've gotten federal permission to say, F.U. California. Now, why I failed that background check is still beyond me. I think that it was a flawed system. It's still a flawed system. And there's still people who fail the background check to this day who don't need to fail it. The reason I, I purchased that rifle at the spur of a moment, I honestly didn't even know what the hell it was until I looked at it. I literally just grabbed it off a shelf. <laughs> it was just the ugliest gun that was on the shelf, and it was only 100 bucks. So I said, screw it. Here. Buy this and give me the ammo because now I'll have a purchase under my belt from here. Because it was that it was that store I thought was giving me the problem. Because other stores hadn't given me that problem up to that point. Even though I did move, yes. Uh I, I I said, well, screw it. Then I'll buy this rifle and I'll come pick up the ammo when I pick up the rifle in 10 days. 
and uh, that's when I I called you and confirmed what that rifle actually was because I had an itching suspicion that it <laughs> shouldn't have been what it was, but it was. Uh, yeah, because there was just something wrong with that whole situation. That was a really sketchy situation. I I scored on that one though, which can bring us to our next topic: our gun collections. So. I'm pretty sure that we have some fans out there or listeners who probably aren't fans and just like to listen to us so they can collect a list of all the hate crimes that we're committing with this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Guess what? There's nothing illegal going on with this podcast except for my cussing. I edit that out in post. Well, let me tell you people, you can rest assured I'm an actual sailor. It's okay. He is. I sailed the Pacific. I did my time. I've I've earned it. For all you out there who are like, oh, this guy was a sailor. Oh, he was gay. You know what? I'd love to see you cowards get on a tin can from the 1960s, powered by freaking steam, and go putting around the Pacific into storms and on a humanitarian boat. Yeah, I didn't go fight any wars, but I was there when Fukushima happened. I'd love to see you say you did the same. No, you didn't? You just did a bunch of exercises putting backpacks on and parading around Okinawa? Well, my ship's the one that took you in and out of Okinawa, pal. So forget that. And all you Army guys, you're doing a great job. Air Force, you're doing a fantastic job. Marines. Stop eating crayons on my boat. You leave them behind and they melt when you're not there. Stop doing that, please. So, yeah, for anyone who was wondering, yes, I served in the Navy. Uh, the reason for that, some some people don't actually know the reason why I chose the Navy. Uh, I know the Navy gets a lot of flack for, you know, uh, the flamboyancy that can be obtained there. But fortunately for me, I was on one of the last ships of a dying era. It was a steam platform. It was a majority male crew. Uh, the only females we had were officers. So it was really a, a, a taste of old Navy. The old ways and the way things used to be. Now, today, things are completely different. I mean, when I went through boot camp, you only got to call home like three times throughout your entire stay. Nowadays, they, they can't lay fingers on you and you get to keep your cell phone. <laughs> so you can call mommy at night and let her know you're scared. But that's. A whole nother thing. I chose the Navy simply because I grew up in a desert. I grew up in an actual desert. Sand everywhere. Okay? Anakin would have been pissed. That's how bad this was. Okay? Oh, yeah. Actual sand dunes. Down my street. Yeah. Why would I join the military to go look at more sand? Why? So I can taste the sand in the wind of the Middle East? I don't need that. I've already seen what sand looks like. I already know what 125 degrees feels like in the summer. I didn't need any more of that. I also knew that if I took the Air Force, I'd become a complete lazy piece of And I would just gain weight at an alarming rate. (laughs) I had to make a choice. And I chose the Navy. Because I figured, you know, They see the most areas out of anyone. Some people, you know, the army will go to Germany and you'll be there for a few years, you know, 
or you'll be there for a tour or two. And I've seen more countries in four years than I think anyone else sees. I wanted to actually travel and experience and see different things. That's why I went with the Navy. Of course, during my time, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still in play. And there's, you know, like I said, different time. You know, there was no hookups on my ship because everyone hated each other because we were all stressed the hell out because we were on a steam platform in the year 2000. Imagine <laughs> trying to keep that pile running. It was a nightmare. One night we were in port in Japan. We were in port. We'd been there for three days. And I was standing watch. It was my duty section. And all of a sudden, I start hearing people reporting flooding. And I went, what? We're pier side. Everything's shut off. How could there be flooding? 11 different counts of flooding throughout the ship. We were sinking pier side. That's how old our ship was. It decided it didn't want to be a ship anymore. It wanted to join the Titanic. <laughs> Yes, I'm aware the Titanic is in the Atlantic. <laughs> the fact remains the same. They're steam platforms. It's like baby Titanic. We were just waiting for it to go down any day. And it tried. Man. Oh, God, it tried constantly. You, you have no idea what suffering is like until you're on a ship and you only have so much drinkable water. So I, I don't care if anyone gives me flack for being in the Navy. I was in what was considered an old Navy a bygone era of the Navy. And I was very lucky to have experienced that. I was very proud to have experienced it. I climbed in rank. I got in trouble. I went down in rank and then I climbed in rank again. I'm not afraid to admit it, but it happens. And I learned a very important life lesson from it. But those years, you know, they were formative, very formative to who I am today. And it didn't hurt that I made friends with almost every Marine that crossed my path with the exception of one group of them who were complete ass But those guys were not normal Marines. They were, uh, I had to give them a pass. They'd actually been to the Middle East. And they, they'd been to the Middle East in, in the year 2001. So no matter how they treated me, they got a pass. <laughs> I just kind of let them say what they wanted to say, and I walked away. I made friends with a lot of Marines. Since I've gotten out, I've, I've learned that I've had more friends in our army than, than I did Marines, which is kind of funny. But to all of those out there who have served, uh, thank you for your service. Yes, thank you. So uh, our gun collections. So, uh, gosh, how do we start this one off? Well, I was thinking maybe, you know, the favorite gun in the collection. I'll see. I don't have a favorite. That's my problem. Well, I take that back. So, I'm more of a rifle man myself. I've made mention to other firearms that I have. But I, I think my favorite is simply because it's just the most well-rounded. Would probably have to be my PPK. Uh, simply because it's chambered in 380. Uh, it's just a fine ammunition to fire. Good for self-defense. Uh, small, concealable. It's the best all-rounder that I got, I think. What about you? So, for me, and there is a bit of a backstory to this one, uh, I was visiting Jake one weekend in 2021. Had money because, you know, the government was saying, hey, here's money, you know, 
grease our pockets type of thing. And I figured, you know, the best way as a good Californian, the best thing to do when given money by the Democrats is to go buy a gun. Seems like a good thing. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Are you saying we both used our government money to go buy firearms? Oh my God, that money was supposed to help us stay out of poverty. And it did. Because that was money that I didn't have to use out of my paycheck (laughs) to buy a gun. You mean your stimulus checks went directly to funding the Second Amendment? My God. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what? The best part was the money from California wasn't even spent in California. (laughs) It was spent in Arizona. California got $19 from me from that. So going back to what I was saying, we went in and we both found semi-identical rifles at the same time. They were uh, Car 98Ks. So Jake bought one, bought the nicer of the two, and I was kind of hmm and hawing on the other one. And I decided, no, I'm just going to pass on it. A few days later... I walk into a little gun store by my office I work out of. Never been there before. Just kind of walked in. Had no real idea of what I was looking for. Wasn't looking for anything. Just figured I'll walk in. It's my lunch break. I'll see what they have. So I walk in. I ask the guy behind the counter, hey, do you got any old guns? Anything that would be, you know, 50 years or older. He was like, no, not really. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. So there's really nothing interesting for me i look down like they don't even they're basically out of handguns of any kind they're they have you know just hunting rifles okay not for me and then he said well actually we have these two little things over here in the corner some of those guns are old so i go over and i look and they have this one rifle and i picked it up and i looked at it and it was a car 98k and it was one of the rarest ss contract rifles that exist a SSZZA4, and it was authentic. So once I saw that, I put it back on the shelf, turned it around so it wasn't facing out, walked outside, got on the phone to my boss, and asked her one question. Is there anything immediate that I need to do right now? After giving me a really kind of like, no, why are you asking? I told her, okay, I'm making a purchase. I'll be back. Don't worry, I'm off the clock. I'll be back when I in about an hour. I then walked into the gun store, picked up the gun, put down my ID, my O3FFL, my COE, and said, give me this gun. And I dropped $2,000 on this rifle. No questions asked. And that is the pinnacle of my collection so far. So for those of you who may not know, there's an issue with buying these K98 Mausers. Much like Stingray Corvettes, there's more K98 Mausers on the market than were ever made. Especially with Nazi stamping. Because somebody, at some point in time, decided, hey, I know how to stamp these things. And they retroactively stamped Nazi logos on these rifles. Well after World War II. Now, I purposely was in the market for for one, like he said. And I did buy the nicer of the two. I, I later did find out that that second one was an SS model, but it uh it was so shabby looking. I, I could I couldn't do it. Not for the money that they were asking. 
Yeah. No, I, I paid more for mine than I would have for that one, but the one I got was so yeah. much nicer. Yeah, then the store where, we, where I got that K98 was, uh, well, they're there to make money, that's for sure. Unlike the store that I scored a $100 gun from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that story is for another day. That's going to be my own version of Bob's fridge. <laughs> it will be. I'll just say, okay, here's the opening remarks. Here's any news update. Okay, Jake, take it away. <laughs> and for the listeners, just sit back and enjoy because this is a ride. But uh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, I think I'm gonna have to agree with you out of your collection. That would be the one I would take the most pride in as well. Oh yeah. Um the O three A three is a close second, but definitely the car ninety eight K. My my K ninety eight is uh it's up there. It's up there on my list simply because of how gorgeous that thing is. It's an amazing condition. And it is the last of the German rifles. That that bad boy was stamped 1937 out of Berlin. Made in the heart of the lion's den. Right the year, I mean the next year, in 38, Hitler started stamping them with Nazi logos. I have the original German proof marks on mine, which just is fantastic. And it looks gorgeous. It was well taken care of. And it still is, because it sits in my safe for the most part. Comes out once a year for shooting. And then goes back into my safe. <laughs> so, is there a gun you regret not buying? So, there actually is one that I do regret not buying. And as soon as I say it, you are going to regret that I never bought this gun. It was a P99. You son of a... <laughs> uh, what is wrong with you? It's off roster. Why would you not? Because I did not have the money because it was back in... So you go to the bank and you take out a loan. <laughs> I didn't have collateral at the time. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I had just finished um, tech school. Well, can, can you really even claim that then? Because it's not like you had the ability to buy it. to be, You just saw it in passing. Well, it's because I saw it, and I literally went home. I was looking at things, like, okay, could I sell enough to go buy that? Because they only wanted uh, 800 for it. This was back in 2012, I believe. Yeah, in, in California today, that gun would fetch a much heftier price. Oh, uh, yeah. That would have been quite the investment to make. And like I said, I, I was looking at things to sell, and I just, I decided, you know, it, I figured, you know, was it really worth it at the time? Because of all the, all the hoops I'd have to jump through to get paperwork to buy the damn gun to top it off. I was like, okay, well, I, if I sold everything by the time I got everything lined up so I could go buy it, would that gun even still be there? Same time. I also never tried, so it's kind of like, okay, well, I guess it's more I regret not trying harder to buy it. I can see that. Uh, what about you? Well, I actually attempted to buy this gun. 
So I walked into the gun store with my FFL or my COE in hand, you know, like a kid in a candy store with a dollar. <laughs> and I, I run up to the counter real excited. And I looked the guy in the eye and I said, Mr. Mr. Do you have any guns that are old? <laughs> like Charlie and his f- magic ticket. He goes, I do, son. Right over here. And he points me in this direction. And there's the golden ticket. The gun I've been hunting for for so long. That during these talks of Biden going, we're going to put restrictions on Russia. We're going to stop the importation of Russian firearms and ammunition. There it is. The dream gun. A Russian SVD. For those of you who do not know, that is a Russian sniper rifle. Chambered in Mosin rounds. So 762 by 54 r this bad boy, they wanted $1,300 for it. And I looked at the guy and I went, are you serious? He goes, absolutely. And I said, I'll take it. Put my name on it. I'll put it on layaway until I can get a loan. <laughs> and I'm going to go in debt to buy this gun because in about three months, it's going to be worth three grand. Well, the guy goes, well, I can't do that. Why not, mister? Well, you see, Timmy, that gun's already purchased. What do you mean it's already purchased? It's sitting on the shelf. Yep, but a guy's already put down a down payment, and he'll be coming by to pick it up next week. Well, what's he paying for it? $1,300. Well, f*** him, I'll pay fourteen. Sorry, it's not going to happen. All right, I'll pay fifteen. Not going to happen. It's already sold. It happened to be in a gun store run by a man with integrity. And I realized I was dealing with a man with integrity. So I offered 2000 <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he goes, are you serious? You want to pay me 2000 for this thing? And I went, yes. Unfortunately, he took the gun off the shelf and set it in the back. Because he realized that now I was a monkey in a cage looking at a banana outside the cage and I couldn't have it. He didn't want to tease me any further. And after I left, he put it right back out on the shelf <laughs> because he couldn't store it in the back. It didn't, he didn't have room in the safe. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately I attempted to purchase the gun, but was unable to buy it. And uh, that's the that's the that's my white whale. That's the one that got away. That gun would be worth probably five grand right now. Oh, easily. And I tried to buy it for thirty. Some bought it for thirteen hundred dollars, and he's just sitting on it like a prick, which is what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I tried, and unfortunately, I deal with gun stores that have integrity. So that's my fault for dealing with decent people. Now, had it been the Black Arms market, I'd have just walked out with it the same day for a hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, that's true. Or if it was a gun show, <laughs> all the loopholes, loopholes. That's the one that got away from me, unfortunately. So uh, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. What gun do you regret buying? 
So there is one gun that I did buy. I wanted a full-size handgun for home defense. So I walked into the gun store, and I just looked at down and at the used handguns, and I saw one. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, you only want 400 for this. Can I see it? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. So they handed it to me, and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll take it. Did the paperwork, paid it off completely, did the background check, did the 10-day wait. And I asked the manager of the store, and I said, hey, so, you know, what's the story behind it? Well, you know, we're doing the paperwork. And he said, oh, well, you know, it was some um, security guard bought it, loved the gun, but couldn't find a holster that really, like a secure holster for it, could never find one. So he brought it back and got something else. And I said, oh, okay, you know, cool, whatever. So I leave, come back 10 days later, pick it up, take it home, take it apart, clean it, put it back together, and just kind of looked at it. And right there, sitting at my desk, I just picked this gun up. I just got it home. I just cleaned it. I asked myself, Sean, why the hell did you buy this gun? And I kept it. I had it for around a year, maybe. I want to say, and it just kind of sat there and, you know, I took it out shooting with me and, you know, kept it loaded for home defense. And it was just kind of like, okay, well, it's my home defense gun. Yeah, it's accurate. Yeah, it's good. But why did I buy it? I'm like $400. I could have bought at the time. I could have, you know, put 400 down on a Beretta, go back 10 days with the extra 200 and bought the Beretta. You know, anything else I could have bought, but I bought this thing. And that gun is a Rock Island Armory MAPP FS, chambered in 9mm. It is basically a CZ-75 clone. And I sold it back to that same gun store, the same guy who sold it to me, about a year later. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So how about you? <laughs> All right. So it's kind of a love-hate relationship with this one. I actually have two guns I regret buying. Okay. Now, unfortunately, I can't decipher which one of the two I hated more. One is currently uh, promised to you, actually. <laughs> it's actually in my safe waiting for you to buy it one of these days. Yeah. And uh the other one I've already sold it to some kid. He wanted he wanted something for home defense and uh he was a new father. He was he was 23 years old, had a baby and he wanted something for home defense. And I sold him the other one. Took him down to a uh, local gun store and we did the transfer and all that. So the two guns I regret buying. I, I can't say I hated one worse than the other. Because one really was just pointless and stupid. The other one actually injured me. And I'm not talking Beretta bite or, you know, some form of grand thumb. Oh, no, this thing actually sprained my thumb while firing it. <laughs> so, I am a man who is rather large. I stand at about an extra large size. 
I fit in an extra large shirt. Most of the time, you know, my pants are an extra large size. My hands, however, are between a large and an extra large. And it's important to note for this gun. Because in firing it, if you don't have it sitting perfectly in your hand, the ammunition this firearm uses kicks really hard with a very skinny metal frame attached to it. The gun in question is the P64. A lot of you probably are going, what the hell is a P64? <laughs> it's a Polish police and military issue pistol. Imagine a Walter PPK that fires Makarov ammunition. So a nine millimeter in a little pocket pistol, very skinny frame to hold it just right in the webbing between your thumb and the rest of your palm is very crucial when firing this gun. And I learned that when one day I wasn't, I was holding it kind of off kilter and I wasn't using the very tip of my finger to pull the trigger because the trigger pull is 25 pounds. Yes, it is the strongest trigger pull imaginable. Now, Sean, you have fired this thing. You can confirm that the trigger pull on this thing is insane. It is. It is definitely worse. I know a lot of people say, oh, Beretta has a horrible trigger. It has a horrible oh. you know, trigger pull weight. This thing makes a Beretta look like a 1911. This this P64 is just miserable to fire the first time. Once it fires the first time, it, it gets set to a hair trigger, so it helps. But it's meant to be carried, loaded, by the police. And it's actually very unique in the way the safety works. It's a full-floating safety. So you can carry it half cocked and loaded and then you can pull the trigger and it'll fire and it'll still be enough to fire the gun. It's a very interesting setup, the way this gun is built. The trigger pulls the second safety. You pull the gun out, you take it off safe and you now have to fight this massive trigger. So you're 100% sure you're going to kill this person to fire that shot. It is, and then you have this tiny, skinny little frame going into your thumb with this kick. It's sprained my thumb. It hurts so bad. I don't, I, th I think I've shot the gun once since then. And it's been like three years. Yeah. Uh, but Sean here is a masochist and wants to buy it. <laughs> so I'm going to sell it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Because God knows I no longer want to fire this weapon. Now, it's a great little gun. Great little gun. I used to take it with me everywhere I went. It's in a lockable case. And it was my defense whenever I would go camping. If I was going to another town that seemed kind of sketchy, I'd put it in my vehicle and lock it up. It went with me everywhere I, I would go. It was my little personal defense firearm. It would stay locked up in its little case and its magazines would go in my pocket and I'd put them in the glove box or what have you, you know. They'd go with me everywhere like a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> the other gun is the one I got rid of. Now, I bought this thinking 
probably the dumbest train of thought I could have ever thought of was big, scary gun scares people away. You brandish big, scary gun. Someone's going to run the fuck away. So I went and purchased my first handgun, a Ruger GP 100 with a six inch barrel. This thing was massive. It had a special grip just so I could hold on to the damn thing because it had this super thick barrel for no reason. It was a 357. It looked like it was designed to handle 4570. I mean, the thing looked like it would fire 30 30 rounds out of it. It looked like it was designed to handle that, but it shot 357. And the kick on it was just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad gun by any means, but it's just so poorly designed. It's meant to look apart. That's the key to it. It's it's there for looks. I thought, well, it's a gun. Everything's got to be there for design and purpose, right? It's all purpose built. It's a Ruger. It's got to be perfect. That was the biggest piece of crap gun I could have ever owned. I only say that because unless you were 100% prepared for it, you had to wield this thing with two hands. It was not an easy gun to fire with one hand. That's how bad the kick was on it. However, in doing this, I purchased this firearm and it was just so miserable. I, I sold it like a year later because a buddy of mine had a 357 Ruger, but his was an Old West style. He had a Vaquero, not a GP100. I could shoot the Vaquero with the same ammo with one hand easily. I couldn't believe how easy it was to shoot. And I went, man, I want one of these. So I sold mine and I let it go down the, down the tube. And I haven't regretted selling that firearm. I have regretted selling one other. But uh, in this day and age, it's probably for the best I got rid of it when I did. It, it went to a good home. Both of them went to good homes. People who were responsible respectable gun owners who just want to protect their families. And that's, uh, that's the gun that I, I regretted purchasing. And with that, we have to leave you guys in the next episode. We're going to talk about panic buying during the pandemic and all that ensued after. I look forward to you joining us for that episode and many more to come. This is Sean and Jake. Thank you for listening to the California Curio Collecting Patriots. Please feel free to like and subscribe to the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast on YouTube. Also, feel free to like the podcast on Facebook at the California Curio Collecting Patriots podcast, where information on new episode postings will be made. Likewise, feel free to bookmark www.CaliforniaCurioCollectingPatriots.com to get access to Podbean, where you can subscribe to receive updates as soon as they go live. This has been an Arceo Productions podcast.